Very good. Right. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I suggest we're uh, we're at nearly three minutes past two now, so we'll we'll start uh, we'll start going. But um, we may have a few more people join as we go. Um, as I mentioned, for those people that uh, went on, um, it's exactly two o'clock. As people join, we will mute them just to make sure there's no uh, background noises as we're going through. Um, in terms of the format for today, we're going to go through some slides which you should have had in advance and you should also be able to see on the screen here if you're able to dial in through uh, through the Teams app. Um, if you're just dialed in over the phone, you'll have to use the slides that were sent to you um, and, and we'll talk you through those as we go. Um, if anyone's got questions, feel free to use the chat function um, throughout the throughout the call. Um, if you can avoid unmuting yourself and shouting over um, whoever's presenting at the time, um, otherwise we'll end up getting into a bit of a... Uh, um, a bit of a shouting match as we go through. Um, there is some slides at the end where we where we come out to, to be a bit more interactive and at that point you can then obviously unmute yourself and uh, and contribute. Um, we are recording this as well and the idea is we'll, we'll strip the audio and use that as part of a podcast along with the slides that will be shared for, for those that couldn't make it today. Um, if anyone's got any issues with that or, or wants their, their voice to be edited out, feel free to let me know and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll chop that bit off. Um, so just a bit of background, obviously, um, due to the ongoing issues we've got with coronavirus at the moment, we had to cancel our defence information conference that was due to be held today and tomorrow in Shrivenham um, to ensure that we. 12 months until the next DI and um, we've decided to move as much as possible um, virtual um, of which this is the first of a few workshops and presentations and things like that that we'll be doing. Um, through uh, through teams and and a, and a few other mediums, um, it, this is the first time we've done this, so please do bear with us if we do have any technical hiccups. But um, we have we have trialled this and it did seem to work fairly well previously. And um, the the workshop we're running today is is part of the sustainable ICT project um, that was kicked off just after Christmas. And um, obviously, you'll find out more um, about that project as we go through. And, and Grant, who's on the line, who will, who will talk in a second, um, is the MOD lead for that from um, from Defence Digital. And um, the context to this project is it's run under the auspices of the JIGV, the JIG Vanguard, um, which is um, an initiative launched by Team Defence in September last year, which takes um, early career professionals um, and gets them involved in cross-sector, cross-industry uh, collaborative projects. So uh, obviously this is the sustainability one. Um, another element to this sustainability thread was done with uh, the CDLS, um, uh, Chief Defence Logistics and Support, at the LogNet conference a couple of weeks ago where we run a sustainability challenge. Um, and we have other projects running in, in mobile applications and cyber security and other things like that of which you will find out more over the next few weeks um, so as we as we progress I'll, I'll pass over to Grant so hopefully you can see these slides and, and Grant I'll let you uh, I'll let you take over yeah thanks very much Luca um, uh, I'm Grant Morley I'm the sustainability policy lead in uh, the strategy area of defense digital and I've been working uh, with DEFRA and Crown Commercial Service uh, to promote uh, a circular economy in ICT across government departments. The aim of this project uh, really is to contribute um, an industry input into the design of a circular economy for government ICT. Uh, and the aim is that it'll be taken forward um, in the DEFRA and MOD strategies, which are going to be produced this year and will last for five years until 2025. Um, so before we start, um, you were sent a survey, which um, I, I think a lot of you have kindly filled in. And I'd like um, to get Karis McArthur, who's my uh, C2, just to summarize the results of that for, for interest. Karis. Thanks, can we go to the next slide? Perfect. Yeah. 
Um, as Grant said, yes, thank you for everyone that's responded to the survey. Um, we've got some useful insights from it, which will hopefully kickstart a good discussion at the end it's of this now workshop. Exiting. Um, on the screen, you'll see some headline figures. Uh, we found that the circular economy is poorly understood with 80% of you saying that you needed more information about it or you didn't know what it was. Um, and two thirds of you perceiving the main benefit of a sustainable approach to ICT procurement is that it demonstrates leadership and a commitment to sustainable development. Um, nearly all of you said that you would consider or already buy reused or refurbished equipment for personal use. And just one person said you'd only buy new. Um, and of those of you purchasing or procuring roles within your organization, you said that you would consider buying refurbished or reused equipment, which is great. Saying that half of you said that you weren't quite sure of the performance credentials of refurbished IT and information security policy and data protection concerns was the main obstacle cited as preventing your company from using or offering remanufactured ICT solutions. And finally, most of you said that external pressure by customers, government or protest groups was the main factor that would encourage you to develop a circular ICT proposition or process. That's all here. We'll unpick some of these issues in the following slide. So back to you, Grant. Thank you, Karis. Um, I thought next we just put up some definitions just to make sure we're all speaking from the, the same hymn sheet. And these are from BS 8001, which is uh, circular economy. Um, and I particularly want to focus on the, the last sort of four, the, the functions. Um, just to emphasize reuse is um, uh, obviously what it says, but without any processing and treatment of the equipment. Refurbishing is very much an aesthetic improvement with no limited functionality improvements. Uh, upgrading is the addition of various components uh, to make it, to, to keep it operating at a reasonable performance or to improve it without having to replace the entire product. Remanufacturing is returning a used product uh, to a, at least its original performance or probably better with a warranty that's equivalent or better to newly manufactured and then finally recycling breaking it down normally into its component uh, raw materials smelting it down um, to be used in uh, other products or or in fact completely different products so that those are the definitions from bs 8001 next slide please luca um, you've had a copy of this. Just want to emphasize what we're talking about uh, is the right side of the diagram in blue, um, which uh, shows where those functions are in terms of um, industry. Um, of course, the user might choose to manage the reuse or redistribution himself, and we, we do some of that within defense. Um, but generally, it'll be the service provider who maintains uh, and redistributes um, the equipment for the for the user, and then uh, refurbishing and remanufacturing, going back to the product manufacturer generally, and recycling into parts or raw materials. So that sort of is the outline concept uh, from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which are which are uh, pretty preeminent in this, and and were certainly consulted a lot in the the uh, the BS eight thousand work. Next slide. Please, Luca. So, uh, what what are we seeking to do? Um, Defra has stated that we want to move to a more circular economy. 
uh, and maximize product life through extended reuse or remanufacture. Uh, that's been incorporated into MOD policy last October, um, which says that products uh, must provide opportunities or examine opportunities for reuse of surplus ICT to meet new requirements. That procurement considers reuse and remanufactured equipments um, and that disposal processes maximize recycling and waste to landfill is minimized. So that's where encapsulating moves uh, towards a, a more circular economy. Next slide, please, Luca. So in preparation for this, we held a discovery workshop uh, at TDI in Bristol on the 26th of February. I've just got five slides to cover the main uh, input from that. We had a small number of industry players uh, attend that meeting. It was very useful. We got a lot out of it. I thought I would just uh, summarize that because it provides some background and some uh, and, uh, and some input into what we're going to talk about in a minute. So next slide, please, Luca. Thank you. So um, I'm not going to talk through each one of these bullets uh, because there's a lot of information in the slides. Uh, we first looked at what was driving the change. And uh, really, I want to pull out from this um, the supply chain risks. Uh, third and fourth bullet bullets in terms of limited availability and rising costs of raw materials, particularly rare earth elements from places like China and also conflict minerals uh, such as cobalt. Um, the risks of supply chain disruption, I, mean, I don't think we need to say any more about that at the moment. Um, and then uh, towards the end, you know, there is an increasingly dynamic marketplace. We're, we're looking at evergreen software on, on ModNet. Um, we, we, we want to go where we've got evergreen devices um, and that the life cycles are more agile instead of having a five-year replacement cycle for all our devices. Let's make it agile according to need and, and according to, to user requirements. Um, and then the final couple of points are the softer sides really on um, you know, the sustainability generation, uh, if we don't go in this direction, uh, the negative effects on recruiting and retention. And in terms of our CSR reporting, um, I, I know in business that CSR reporting increasingly drives uh, investment decisions that, that, are, that are often based on sustainability and, of course, um, is seen as a competitive advantage. So um, those are some of the, the real drivers for um, where, we're, where we're going in circular economy. Next slide, please, Luca. Um, so what are we trying to deliver? We're trying to reduce uh, waste and energy consumption, um, make financial savings, and mitigate risk to our, to our supply chain. And I'd really pull, uh, pull out the intelligent customer. We're talking about the right device at the right place at the right time. That is tailored usage, understanding of the user requirement rather than just buying new each time and actually making more equipment available so that we have fewer disadvantaged users, um, not only within defense. I mean, there are disadvantaged users in defense. I'm thinking of people like uh, cadet forces. We've had a lot of um, we've had a lot of success in redistributing ModNet kit and other kit 
to cadet forces where we've seen a real increase in their in, their engagement and their productivity and their success in doing things like training, uh, registering for Duke of Edinburgh's award, and all that feeds into better recruiting as well. Um, so, but not only within defence, fewer disadvantaged users if you put it in a government perspective uh, across society. So, you know, can we be rolling out some of this stuff down to to libraries, to local authorities, to more schools, um, so that more and more people have an opportunity to engage with the digital economy? Uh, so those are the, the key benefits that I would I would pull out. Next slide, please, Luca. Um, in terms of desired outcomes, I really want to highlight the first five there. Um, we're really talking about, in the first three, we're really talking about things that we can measure. You know, we want to buy less, we want to save money, uh, and we want to establish how much money and materials we can we can save from that uh, and those are all quantifiable things um, what we would like is to establish a commercial offer um, that on on catalogs um, that for upgrade and remanufacture services um, and we also need to set up an established process for pan-government device sharing and, and cascade across government. So next slide, please, Luca. So uh, as you would imagine, there are lots of blockers. Um, <laughs> and we really had, it really took us no time at all to deliver about 20 or 30 odd blockers um, to, to doing things differently. But the ones I would highlight, um, first of all, I mean, Treasury and departmental policy is not helpful in the fact that uh, that you can't um, financial rules make make it difficult to give things away across government um, or to exchange things. Um, there is third one down. There is a lack of availability and visibility of offerings and services from industry from from our perspective. Uh, where would I go if I if I persuaded a program or a project that it should consider reuse or remanufacture? Where would I go uh, to get that service offered to me? Um, there is a lack of visibility of pan-government supply and demand. Not surprisingly, even within MOD, um, you know, one project doesn't know what another project's requirements are. We're operating in stovepipes, um, so for example, Modnet. Um, is about to, well, we're probably not anymore because we've reused all our new laptops across government for the NHS at the moment. But um, two months ago, uh, we were going to um, we were going to replace all our laptops in on ModNet, which is twenty two thousand, and we would have had about twenty odd thousand uh, laptops available for for other users across defence. But uh, the ModNet program we're actually going to dispose of them through DESA. No one thought outside the box, outside the program. And of course, that is then compounded across government with, a, with who knows how many laptops the prison service might want, or schools might want, or local authority libraries might want. So we need to try and get our, our hands around supply and demand in a big way, both within MOD and, uh, and across government.
and then at the bottom there are really some some softer issues that that really came out in the survey you know perceptions you know they don't have a warranty the performance is rubbish they're not reliable it's going to impact on my work um, none of that is true uh, but that is the perception particularly if you speak to IT, IT staff who would who love shiny new things all the time and then of course in order to get any change on the circular economy we need leadership uh, knowledge and promotion um, and then and, and and that's something that we really need to to gear up so next slide please so what's going to enable that um, and that's really where I'd like you know a lot of contribution from you how can we get how can we get um, those blockers removed and what's the best way to go about it um, in the short term uh, we're looking to changes to our procurement software CPNF um, to to instantiate our reuse uh, policy requirement to make sure the projects have to actually uh, declare that that they've considered reuse and manufactured before they're allowed to buy new and we're looking to to provide reporting to provide assurance of that uh, within CPNF so that's a bit of change that we hope to get in, in the software upgrade uh, in our procurement tools um, we then need to um, establish the metrics in terms of the, the art of the possible financial savings emission savings material savings make sure that's brief to users and leadership um, and we need to educate IT staff and procurement staff so those are the sort of short-term things we can do in the longer term we're looking to establish a refurbishment renewed device availability that is promoted on uh, through CCS frameworks so um, upgraded devices can be accessed easily on the frameworks that some sort of managed service for remanufacture is incorporated into the framework so if I'm if I'm uh, modnet and I've got 20,000 laptops I can say well you know for 80 quid someone will remanufacture them and we can use them in you know the training establishment for example and that will save us buying 20,000 laptops for training and then we're trying to address alterations for HMG policy and we've already engaged with the Treasury over uh, can we carry this out uh, it happens for for furniture at the moment across government um, so why isn't this happening for ICT as well so we've got a bit of work to push against the Treasury door and that goes back to the issue of metrics can we establish uh, what the potential savings are um, so that's the end of my spiel sorry that was a bit long but I just wanted to highlight some key points and findings um, that we made in the the earlier discovery workshop um, next slide please Luca um, so uh, we've got really three things to discuss today and I'd like to take you know 10 or 15 minutes on each one um, and Luca, Luca will lead the discussion uh, and I'll chip in uh, whenever you want me to uh, but they're really um, what what would this new system look like um, if we could implement it what would good look like um, how do we enable it and then um, what are the priorities and quick wins could we bring in um, to make this happen within a, a reasonable light uh, short time frame perhaps a year 
and then uh, over the, the two to five years of the next strategy, uh, what do we need to do to put this in place? So I think that's enough of me talking, but does anyone have any questions before before I hand back to Luca? So you should be, so although everybody has been muted, uh, you can unmute yourself, so you don't need me to unmute you. So um, has anyone, anyone got any questions sort of overall before we dive into the specific, uh, specific uh, what good looks like topic? No, very quiet. Okay, so if we if we take um, so take the first slide, obviously um, which you should be able to see see, um, see on this on the slide on the screen. Sorry, um, what good looks like. So feel free to either ask your questions in the in the chat box or unmute yourself and, and ask them, uh, which uh, you know through uh, through your uh, through your phone or laptop, or whatever. Um, any sort of uh, anything that people would like to pitch in on that specific topic, you know, thoughts, um, understanding, experience in other industries. Just, it's Very James Aymar from BAE Systems. Um, it's just coming back to a point that he made about getting the, the perception of performance being an issue. Um, what considerations are given to, I suppose, fit for purpose is one of a better description. I appreciate that I'm a software developer. I always want the whizziest, highest end um, equipment that I can lay my hands on. But equally, with the procurement chain being what it is within my own organisation, if I don't go for the latest equipment, it then falls behind the curve and I'm unable to procure a replacement to catch back up to the top of the curve, if that makes sense. So, so Grant, I suspect that's one for you. Yeah, I think that's an understanding what we're talking about being agile, understanding of the user requirements. So if I'm uh, if I'm uh, if I'm sitting in the, the training area, in a in an infantry training establishment phase one training uh and i'm just doing you know online uh web web browsing training um i don't need a high-end machine so it's understanding that that the fact that that user is will users need will be adequately met by a four or five year old uh, upgraded laptop um and it, it's a question of you know, when you say getting it back up to standard, that's the sort of um, that's what we're trying to generate in terms of this upgrade or remanufacture service. If it's there, we can we can bring everything up to the spec that's required. It probably won't be top of the range spec, and and we're there's still what we're what we're not trying to do here is we're not trying to replace um, the the complete purchase of new kit. There are going to be users who require new kit. Um, there's going to be good reasons for, for bringing in new kit for high-end users. Um, and there may well be some constraints on security or, or, or software. I'm really annoyed that my iPad now doesn't host a lot of apps because, because Apple have moved on and I, I've got a, a piece of hardware sitting on my desk that, that won't run a lot of apps because it's got the wrong iOS. Um, that's really annoying. That's what we talked about, the OEMs actually building in uh, obsolescence. So, but, but I think there is a, you know, there, there is a real 
a determination to, to change that. And we see a lot more in terms of what the EU have been doing, um, moving to a more circular economy. I think I think people are going to have to come alongside that uh, a bit more. But it, but it is but it's it's not we're not seeking at all to change the high end use or the first use requirement. What we're seeking to do is maximise the second, third, fourth use requirement for appropriate users. Oh, thank you very much for that. Um, I, I think there's the there's the cultural side is as much of a challenge as the technical side because speaking entirely selfishly, my perception would be get the best as when I can because I don't know where the next one's coming from. Um, <laughs> I think that's as much of the challenge as getting people to accept this approach. Because in all reality, I could do my job on a second-use machine, um, but it's my cultural hesitance of being unable to replace it that I think would probably challenge my uptake of this approach rather than anything technical. But no, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, We've got a couple more questions coming in uh, through the chat, so I'll, I'll read a couple of those out. So uh, Nick, I'm afraid to have your surname, Nick, but uh, Nick uh, asks, uh, where's the baseline data on how much we're spending on new high, uh, hardware? Sorry, uh, do we have uh, do we understand the true nature of the issue? Um, so Grant, I suppose that's back to the economic question is, do we know what the potential change we can make is? Where are we starting from and where could we get to? You there, Grant? I think he's muted. Uh, um, he's showing us muted. He is, yes. Grant, can you hear us? Can you unmute yourself? So what, if I try and fill in for, for for Grant, I'm not sure we I'm not sure we do know what the the current spend is. Um, I suspect it's um, it, it's. The, the data that will be contained in various different stovepipes, um, but I, I, I agree with you that there's probably some work to do around capturing that data. Um, and certainly one of the outputs of the of the previous workshop um, was looking at how we collect the data to do some so just, sort of justification of, um, of, of the potential difference we could make. Um, so while we wait for Grant to rejoin, um, if I read the next question and then we can hopefully answer them both together. So um, the next one is from Alex Nichols. Um, with regards to your phase one example, um, there is a drive for MED users to be issued a device to the person rather than to the role. Um, will this mean that asset management will uh, will be much more dynamic than it is currently? Not to agree with what you say, but this may be an additional blocker. Um, and I'm afraid that very that is a uh, that is a, a question Grant will have to answer um, rather than me. Just an observation on that point. It's it's an excellent point, um, and you know I, I'm. An example of a person in industry who has a you know a laptop issued individually. I'm sure many do. Um, but what's quite good about that is that even though uh, when when the worker moves from role to role to role, um, they're not they're not getting new kit each time. They're keeping you know that 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 asset with them for a prolonged period. You know, uh, five or six years is quite normal for uh, in our firm. So um, there can be advantages to that as well. Uh, in that uh, it, it allows it to remain in use for longer, not just uh, the longevity of a particular project. Yes, so I suppose maybe you're, um, yeah, absolutely. So using that example, then I suppose that um, that means that, uh, that, that doing this is implicitly uh, promoting the, um, uh, you know, the reuse policy uh, because it isn't being binned at the end of a project or whatever. Mm. Uh, Grant, Sorry, Luca, I'm 
I'm back now, yes. So um, the question on, on money, yes, we have a very good idea, and we put that in our last uh, sustainable ICT report. Um, I think it was something in the order of 30 million for, for ModNet and uh, about 15, 20 million elsewhere. So I think we were talking around 50 million. Um, now, how that is broken down across the various user categories, we don't know. Um, but if, if uh, and that's what I talked about in the slide about metrics, is if we can ID those metrics and the extent of savings. But we, sh we should be, be, you know, I think we should be working out at least a third off that if we get a, a proper, you know, a, a proper system working. And you, you can times that then by, by uh, you know, what's happening across government as well. And that, and then, of course, that of course is our in with the treasury to make them change their policy. Is when we can demonstrate the size of the savings across government. Thank you, Grant. So the next question, which I think you might have missed, um, was with regards to phase one example. Is that, uh, there is a drive for MOD users to be issued a device for the person rather than the role? Uh, will this mean that asset management and um, asset management will be much more dynamic than it is currently? Um, not a disagreement with what you say, but it's maybe an additional blocker, um, which Fergus then. Um, input that uh, Boeing there uh, issued devices to people rather than to to roles, which means as they transition through roles, they return the same device for much longer, um, meaning the the, uh, the devices are replaced less often. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, this was this was one of the things that we said at the discovery workshop. Is uh, you know we're actually we seem to be going in the wrong direction as far as Modnet goes, in in that we're issuing uh, people a laptop. For life, we might be able to, of course, sweat the asset a bit more, um, but it but it, it doesn't affect. Provided the asset management is done well, um, it doesn't mean to say you still can't, even though it's a, a device for life. Notionally, um, that can always be your device can for life can always be replaced, um, and your device from life can be given to someone else lower down the lower down the food chain. Um, if it if it comes to the end of its its useful life for you, I mean I don't expect that I'll still be using this uh, G3HP that I'm on at the moment um, for the next 25 years. Um, so that there will be there will be an upgrade, um, and that upgrade will be rolled out to individuals as opposed to organisations. I think that answers the question. Very good. So we've got questions coming thick and fast now. So we were slow to start, but we've got plenty coming in through now. So Dave Hawking, uh, less of a question, but more of a uh, an observation that IT asset management in the MOD is not great. Um, it chased for a laptop that he didn't even have. Um, so I'm not sure you've got the answer to that problem there, Grant, but uh, if you want to comment on that. <laughs> no, not really. Um, so Kevin O'Reilly uh, from Sopra, um, uh, has there been any discussion of planning around technical obs obsolescence, e.g. Microsoft compatibility, which might force replacements? Yes, so, so, this, so this is an issue, of course, with, for example, Win 10 requiring, you know, a different TPM module. Um, you know, there are, there are limits to what you can do in terms of um, uh, upgrade and remanufacture, um, you get to the state where, hey, we're going to have to th throw away the whole uh, motherboard. But, of course, that still doesn't mean to say that you have to throw away the case 
and the the screen and everything else that goes with it and and particularly things like monitors there's no reason why they can't be used over and over again um and i'm sitting in front of a you know an xdii hp monitor that i bought on on uh, on ebay um or amazon and uh the question is you know why did i why did i actually have to buy that but there you go um next question very good. So next one uh, from Phil uh, talks about uh, bring your own device initiatives. Um, is there any progress or or appetite in BYOD uh, within defence? Well, I, you know, I wouldn't it be great? And that, of course, one of the things that, um, you know, this is where the security aspect comes in, educating the security uh, folks. Um, but um, and, and I used to be one of those. Um, but um, I think we'll see quite a noticeable change as regards COVID. A lot of work is going on because we don't have enough um, IT and we don't have enough uh, laptops particularly on uh, enabling work uh, over the internet from home devices. And it will be very interesting to see if the new normal brings in more, um, more acceptable uh, practices in terms of uh, bring your own device. I think I think people generally have gone away from bring your own device. I, I don't know if industry would like to comment, but it was very big, you know, five, six, eight years ago when I was in army headquarters, it, the, the sort of the, the imperative seems to have gone away from BYOD at the moment. Yes, I, I'm not sure. I know we did discuss that there was a J-Hub project last year looking at uh, BYOD. Um, and I think the feeling from the, the jig board when it was discussed was actually industries moving away from that sort of idea. And there didn't seem to be a lot of appetite in industry to implement a, any sort of BYOD. Um, but uh, happy to be corrected by anybody on the call. Um, no, I think you're correct about that, Luke. Uh, um, industry's concern will be protection of IP and proprietary uh, data information, uh, the crown jewels, as it were. So, uh, the yeah, that, that will be the, the key concern from industry. Thank you very much, Fergus. Yeah. Um, so maybe one or two more questions on this side before we maybe jump onto the next slide. Um, so Tony's made the point that uh, Windows 10 uh, has a 10 year uh, support cycle. Um, so um, moving on from 2009 uh, laptops that would be uh, starting to come out of uh, out of support now, although I do uh, I seem to remember that they've, they've extended the out of life, uh, uh, end of life support for, for one or two versions of uh, Windows while the uh, current crisis going on. Um, Maybe last question from Nick. Uh, managing de device for life, much more stringent asset management, something that MOD cannot currently do. Um, support transformation is a long way from being able to uh, realise improved asset management. Um, so it's back to the asset management piece. Yeah, I, I, and I just endorse that. I mean, asset management isn't done well. And uh, when I try and get a, a view of the ICT, as I did last year for a sustainable ICT report, um, the level of confidence one has in the the figures that are being returned from a, across the MOD is is questionable, uh, and you know you 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 can't manage uh, you know what you can't control, and uh, we're not actually controlling our assets particularly well, but hopefully that will get better uh, with ModNet. So no, one, so oh. sorry, can I just can we can we talk about then in the question on the slide <laughs> i mean i've tried to answer as many questions as possible but could 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 we have some input as to 
what do people what do people think that that good would look like? I mean, do, do people see that um, we could develop a, an availability of of commercial models and offerings? Um, if if we could, you know, would industry want to do that? Uh, where would it place them? Would it be through um, commercial for CCS frameworks? Um, and those service offerings, what about ownership? Would be would it be on a, a lease basis as opposed to a, a capital purchase? Um, and and how would that how would the cascading of those work? You know, across the MOD and, a, and across government. Um, does does anyone want to perhaps uh, offer a view of what uh, of what good might look like? So just while everyone's thinking of the answer, if I can just bring in Tony's answer, asked another good question, which is, does this include mobile devices? So maybe when we talk about ICT, Grant, do you want to give a broad definition of, of what, you know, what level we're going down to here? We include mobile devices and iPads and everything else? Uh, yeah, definitely including tablets, uh, iPads, iPhones. Yeah. Luca, it's Phil. Um, as we've got Tony from Microsoft here, it might be worthwhile asking him to explain how Microsoft could support a laptop that's in its like third, fourth, fifth use, um, and, and what the long-term view would that be? I know Tony said earlier about a 10-year support cycle, but I think looking at Grant's diagram there, we might be extending beyond the 10-year life. I think uh, I think you may be a little bit out of date there, Phil. We have Tony Reeves from Deloitte on the line, not Tony Reeves from Microsoft, I'm afraid. Uh, it's, it's the same Tony, but I left. Four weeks ago. <laughs> ah, Tony, can you, you, can you still speak talking? with authority, Hello, Tony? Yeah. I still can talk about that. Yeah. Um, increasingly, Microsoft's offering a you know a subscription basis model um, where you effectively lease Office 365, the operating system, and the device. And so, for instance, Lloyd Banking has gone completely over to that model where they're effectively paying per month for the security, the applications, the operating system, and the devices, all as one contained package. Um, when a device goes obsolete or when a new device comes available, that's offered onto the catalogue and they basically upgrade. Um, now, they're also doing that consumer side as well. So if you're looking at gaming, you can now buy your Xbox console effectively on a monthly basis where you don't buy it, you just lease it and you pay for the online gaming. Um, that's increasingly um, a very attractive model for Microsoft, um, but also a lot of companies then saying, well, we can actually save a shed load of money on the IT support and security aspects because we've outsourced all of that as well to a trusted supplier. And I know there's people in the room at this point who are shuddering and shivering at that concept, but it is where certainly like financial services are going to streamline and save a shitload of money. And post COVID, um, a lot of companies I'd imagine be looking at the same to say, why are we paying for so much IT help desk when actually the IT help desk hasn't necessarily helped in the current crisis. Um, that's my contentious ex Microsoft view. Uh, now Deloitte, I'd have a different head on for that. Thank you, Tony, and uh, my apologies. So, if we maybe jump back to uh, back, back to Grant's original question, then what does good look like? Um, so, we've had an example there of, of how Microsoft does it with Lloyd's Bank, which is a, obviously a good example. That's the full servitization model, I suppose. Um, has anybody else got any other experience or or, or views of, of of what we could do to get to uh, <coughs> or, or what we think good looks like and, and how we get to it? Yeah, Fergus um, again. Um, so on your diagram, you've, you've got your uh, dark grey box on the uh, right hand side there. Um, and um, I think what we what might be worth considering is surely there should be a, a recycle loop there. 
uh, where we're effective at uh, getting uh, those items that are, are candidates for reuse uh, and getting the components recovered as far as possible from that uh, and um, and brought back into into uh, primary use again um, as rapidly as possible. Um, and I'm wondering whether there are um, any forms of incentivization that could be uh, brought about to ensure the recovery of those uh, materials um, and um, potentially, you know, obviously rewards of some kind uh, that would uh, encourage far greater um, introduction of, of uh, pre-used products into the recovery loop. Grant, any views on that? Uh, well, yes. I mean, it's one of the things we discussed was that, um, you know, th there is a paucity across Europe of recycling centres. So if you're talking about going back to raw materials, state recovery, um, it, it is a real challenge across Europe. And the EU uh, want to improve that, but, but they're massively expensive to build um, and often not economic. I think there's something like 10 in, in the whole of Europe or something. There's three in the U, in the British Isles or something like that, a very small number. Um, so, uh, so that really actually is a driver more for the remanufactured side um, that, that if, if we can't take them back to raw materials and recycle them easily, it's better that we interrupt the process before they go for recycling, i.e. we reuse uh, we upgrade and we remanufacture rather than um, rather than break them, and, and that's what you know. In the in the slides I originally sent as a taster, you'll see that MOD currently, um, you know, we're great at not sending to landfill, but 80% of that is broken, not not reused, uh, intact, and that's a terrible proportion. Um, that goes through DESA. What we want to do is have it the other way around. We want 80% of it is reused, uh, remanufactured intact, and only 20% is broken. So I'm conscious we've got a couple more slides to go, Grant. Should we jump over to the next question? Uh, yes, if, if there are no more uh, good examples. The only other thing is, um, you know, if we set up a system, a good system like that, uh, can anyone offer ideas of targets or KPIs? How would we measure the success of that? Um, clearly, it would be what perhaps what I've just talked about: percentage reuse and recycle. Does anyone does anyone have any other ideas? So it's Kevin O'Reilly from Sopra. Um, a couple of points. High-end high equipment, this kind of activity is pretty commonplace. So obviously, uh, you know, heavy equipment is refurbished, remanufactured quite frequently. You know, earth movers and so on. I know that's not IT, but um, you know, where the value, where there is value in a lot of expensive metal, it's always worthwhile. Um, in the telecoms industry, again, high-end, high-cost equipment is often remanufactured or re or redistributed. Um, the, the big problem though is around IPR and licensing of software that's on board because you're not always permitted to move it. Um, uh, your licensing could be, you know, could be under restricted terms. It could be a, a license that MOD had 
but the uh, MOJ didn't have, and therefore you can't transfer it. Um, quite a lot of experience around um, uh, the, the hard disks that we tend to get mandated to destroy them. Uh, they get crushed, so um, which gives you a bit of software problem again. Uh, solutionary is often software software asset management as opposed to asset management, and also the mo uh, the device management uh, is fairly critical. So I uh, know Nick's comment earlier about um, asset management, but it, there's a whole world of detail um, required when you're managing these kind of devices. So I think there's lots of good practice. It's 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 all been done. You know, um, you, we're not reinventing the wheel. It's 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 often policy driven and finance driven. Uh, rather than anything else, rather than a technical problem. But there are a bunch of systems around it, such as the uh, uh, software asset management and device management, which uh, become quite big issues. And compatibility on drivers is often a big issue as well. So notwithstanding what the operating system does, um, often, particularly laptops, are pretty hideous when it comes to uh, using certain bits of software and can be a bit problematic of a blurt there but um that's very good thank you very much kevin do you uh get all that to grant to address all that uh yes thanks yes that's used for thanks kevin should we move on very good so the next one uh how do we enable this in defense and beyond so we, we've talked about uh sort of where we'd like to get to so the next question is how do we get there any thoughts or or suggestions um we've talked a little bit about technology commercial um, you know, human training, that sort of thing. Any any thoughts on any of those? Um, I'm afraid for me to get to the questions on the box, I do keep having to jump off the slide. So apologies if they keep disappearing for you. Um, right. So I'm afraid, Nick, uh, w, WDGLL, I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, oh, what would good look like? Sorry. Um, uh, from MOD perspective, we should first uh, we should insist on using acquisition support guidance properly. By that, I mean the disposal phase is explored with more rigor and range of options explored uh, at the outset of the project, um, the variety of which includes disposal, uh, recycle, reuse, etc. So this is the last question, but uh, still relevant. Um, good also looks like moving towards managing the data and information rather than the hardware and the operating systems, which um, I think we would all all agree with. So in terms of the um, how do we enable this then any any suggestions on on key enablers or, or quick wins things we could get to. Um, well, one thing that uh, the MOD could do is you know, in its contracting position with industry is introduce KPIs into uh, projects to uh, demonstrate adherence to uh, IT reuse. Um, so that uh, the challenge is, is, is put, put out there to uh, provide evidence that reuse is taking place. Just a thought. Absolutely. Grant, any thoughts on that one? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, it, it goes back to that sort of higher end uh, piece that we were talking about, that the, the, one of the last speakers just mentioned. Uh, in that, you know, in, for example, the Skynet uh, contract, uh, which is going through competition at the moment, you know, has in it a lot about a circular economy. And we're looking for the contractor to demonstrate uh, how is going to comply with uh, mm -hmm. 
BS8000 uh, and uh, and move, moves towards a circular economy. So those requirements are already being put in um, the, a lot of the a lot of the projects that are now coming out of uh, defense digital for example you know managed print services i mean managed print services are a pretty good one for sustainability um but but those requirements are going in there and we're trying to i think at the moment they're slightly qualitative um and i completely get the point that we need to make those hard targets Very good. Um, another one from Alex. Uh, couldn't Defence also ensure that project teams include system requirements that utilise an evergreen disposal, recycle, reuse, manufacture? Um, so I suppose that's a, a, talking about mandating to the to the project teams. Yeah, and in fact, you know, we we tried to do that in the the policy, the DIN that we put out last year in October, and uh, you know, I engaged with project teams like Modnet. Uh, who who say well we're just going to give it to 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 DESA, and of course DESA will then apply their eighty twenty rule, and and eighty percent of it will probably be broken rather than the project looking at alternatives. But that's because you know Modnet never considered disposal up front. So now we're looking to dispose of twenty thousand laptops this year. Well, we're not anymore because we've disposed of them to the NHS, but. Um, we would have been looking at disposing 20-odd thousand laptops this year and next without a plan, and someone would have had to write a plan. It's a bit late when you get to the in-year to write a plan of what you're going to do with it. And it goes back to you know people considering this up front in the cabinet cycle. All of that is there in DNS policy for sustainable procurement. It's just that project teams uh, are not doing it, and that's what I talk about, the education of the commercial staff and education of the project managers is is a big thing that Karis and I are, are working on internally within Defence Digital. Um, but but you know it, if we if we manage to get that in um, what what we need out there is a commercial offering and the easiest way to start is through uh, through the Crown commercial frameworks through CPNF because that's where a lot of the low-level procurement gets done. If we can enable that and start people buying uh, remanufactured, upgraded devices, and we can then show the benefits of that um, within defence and across government, uh, then we've got a, a, a not, just, just another way we can sell it to project teams. But we are working um, to, to get that disposal considered as far up front as possible. Yeah, so then a, an addition from Alex here is, is therefore DLF needs to be amended to include deliverable documents that is scrutinised. Um, this ensures PTs follow the DIN slash policy. Very good. Any more inputs on, on enablers? So I think I think the question is where where can we obtain maximum leverage in order to get this onto the catalogue? What what do we need to do to do that? Um, does industry need to come forward off with with unsolicited bids, or uh, do we need to 
to make sure that uh, Crown Commercial Services put out a requirement for this on a on one of their frameworks. I mean, on T, they've just introduced TP3, I think, um, and uh, I'm not I'm not clear. I haven't been through it. I'm not clear whether there's any uh, upgraded, reused equipment on it. I don't think I don't think there is. It's up for the user to specify it, but I don't think there's a reuse service uh, or a remanufactured service on that. So how do we how do we get one onto the catalog? Are there any people out there like HP or Fujitsu can make such an offering to Crown Commercial? I think we uh, we have lost Fujitsu. We're on the call, but I think I saw them drop off, unfortunately. I think uh, it's Kevin O'Reilly, given I used to work in Fujitsu, I can sort of have a fairly good idea on the answer. I mean, some companies will want to make new stuff. So there are plenty of organizations that will refurbish, remanufacture. They don't, they sometimes are manufacturers themselves, and sometimes they're not. Different companies have different, have different views about it, but there are certainly a number of independents um, in the marketplace who do it. But I, I guess the, the question that many will have is, is just how the business case the business model really works because they'll try and optimize it to the business model um, and the business case that, 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 that you use I, so if uh, if a buy and lease back is a is is an option which it is in some industries uh, brilliant uh, with government it doesn't tend to be a very popular approach um, because of the way treasury treats it but uh, but it's certainly technically quite straightforward um, uh, it's just that the the degree of bureaucratic hassle doing it um so i i think pretty much every option is available um but ideally you want to get enough scale here to make the the, the make it economically feasible for all parties really um yeah and i agree with that kevin and, and so, the, so the question is how do we who needs to do that does does cabinet office uh does crown commercial need to uh set up that discussion with some of the major manufacturers maybe through tech uk or something and uh and and then get treasury to put pressure on treasury to endorse a, a lease a lease model i think it would be very useful to 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 have that debate with with an, a range of organizations not just the manufacturers because the manufacturers won't necessarily might not suit their their financial model uh, for various reasons so um and Tech UK would be a great vehicle. Obviously, you got you, you got the auspices of uh, TD Info here. Um, but it would be very useful to have that conversation of the art. You know, here's some options. How would these how would these get treated in uh, by Treasury by your own you know um, evaluation process, project evaluation processes and business case processes? And then if we all understand that, then we can you know we can play it back. You know, here, here are some options and different companies will have different preferences. I, I don't think there's a, a universal industry view on this kind of topic, um, but uh, because it depends really on your financial structures. Yeah. Some companies will like taking assets on board. Some people hate taking assets on board uh, because it ruins their finances somewhere else and, and how they report. So you just kind of get different treatments. But it doesn't mean they're not capable of, of, of understanding the you know, other industry options. And playing it back to you, and then you know, decision. But yeah. I think every 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 scenario you've described is perfectly feasible. Um, it's just picking one, isn't it? And 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 just getting a, 
the commercial engagements with people on the way so you can evaluate whether it's good value for money for you and um, makes a good project for you. Yeah, so I think that's, you're saying if we can develop some basic models uh, across government, put them to industry, industry can come back with, well, this was what, this was what the finances and, and ownership and arrangements might might look like. And that's the sort of thing we can take to Treasury then and say, yeah. you've done this work, you know, this is what we'd like to do in the future. And, yeah. and, a, and a good route for that would be Tech UK. Yeah, I mean, it's perfectly... Um, it's unfortunate that we did have a we did have a workshop planned with Tech UK um, uh, two weeks ago, um, but then of course with the clampdown it, it, it had to be postponed. Uh, but we were going to lead this discussion at Tech UK um, two weeks ago, and it's a shame it didn't happen. Tech UK um, were invited to join this call as well. I'm, I'm not sure if anybody from Tech UK is on the line, um, but they were looking for somebody from their sustainability working group to attend. And I think, you know, from our own business experience, we've done quite a lot of work in the greening space. Um, you know, we've got done lots of international benchmarks and so on around us. Um, it, it is important to do that wider benchmark as well, um, because you can do a great financial case. And I think there's a, there's a risk you miss the point. Um, so, Grant, it's all valid. Grant, it's Phil Williams. Um, just a quick one. What what's, do you think the mod's appetite for for not buying new IT equipment and sort of setting an example, if you like, by by being the third user of a, of a laptop? I, it, my my experience has been that the mod have always been the ones that wanted to be first users, if you like, and dispose of elsewhere. Would they would they want to be the third user of, of a laptop? And going back to that diagram you had before. I think there's I think there's probably three answers to that or three elements to that. First of all, you're absolutely right. We don't like that, um, but that's that's uh, that's resulting in our budget going through the roof. And the question is, can we continue to do that? Um, and so there is a financial argument to be put to the MOD. Um, there's second the the argument about um, disadvantaged users. And we're particularly seeing that now with uh, COVID. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't have the right IT. Um, by using uh, a lower grade and accepting a lower grade, uh, there's no doubt that we could uh, meet a lot more of our disadvantaged uh, community um, who at the moment are not being supported. And I go back to the issue of cadet forces not being supported by by IT and that makes a big difference for things like recruiting which is fundamental to the to to the MOD future but people don't make that connection necessarily um, when they're when they're sitting as CIO defense digital um, and then the third aspect is well uh, and what we've been trying to work on is we've been trying to accept yes MOD is the user of first of first life, but actually, why don't we reuse second life across governments? And if we can demonstrate that, um, then um, you know, people like I don't know the prison service or libraries or or schools. If we can get that, if we can get an example of that working, then I think a lot of other people around government who are perhaps l less precious 
if you like about about their um about their 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 importance um if i if i dare use that term in defense um you know would take this on and i think then it would be a reverse uh if people did it and the benefits were demonstrated across government it would have a reverse effect back into mod saying well why are we not doing that you know defra or the prison service moj have, have saved you know 20 million quid what why aren't we doing that in ministry of defense so it, it it would have reverse influence which i think would be a good thing yeah so i think you have that issue don't you like stick with the prison service as an example yeah, do they regard themselves as being second-class citizens because they had to survive on the cast-offs from, from the MOD? Um, so there, there are some cultural issues there. I do think that you know, if the laptop that we that we bought five, ten years ago, if it's supported from a software point of view, of course, the, the actual processing power that we have in the computers, are, are, most of us are only using about 5% of it anyway um, for the majority of the time. So there is no physical if you like reason why you can't do it but i, I do think there's a, there's a there's a big cultural issue within mod that puts itself at the top of the tree and says we must be first uh, and that may be causing some difficulties but going back to kevin's point i think industry has every conceivable type of model available and it's almost like from the mod you just need to pick one and then the market will respond to your request um, to fulfill that requirement so just a question that's come for Tony again. Uh, does the MOD want the benefits of not owning laptops or the benefits of extending the lifetime of devices that it owns? Or doesn't it uh, really care? It just wants to see the optimal use of assets within a known budget. I'm sorry, you cut out at the start of that, Luca. Can you just repeat Apologies. That? Uh, so Tony uh, from Deloitte, um, does uh, MOD want the benefits of not owning laptops or the benefits of extending the lifetime of devices that it already owns? Um, or doesn't it really care? It just wants to see the optimal use of assets within a known budget. I think the the latter. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're precious over ownership, um, and uh, and we're looking for for best value for money. Unfortunately, best value for money isn't often done on a on a life full life cycle basis. Cool. Sorry, it's Tony. I've got a drop. I have spoken to Microsoft. Um, they do lease to other government users um, devices, software and applications. Um, Deloitte and Microsoft will drop you a note because I think we'd be interested to say, look, you know, there is something you can do in this space around either getting the best out of the assets you have, but more realistically for your future budget, getting the best return on that investment. Great. That's exactly what we want. Um, and uh... If, uh, if lots of people could put forward ideas and models, that would be most useful because they can be incorporated into our report. Yeah, we'll do. Got a drop. Thanks very much. Very interesting. Thanks, Thank Tony. You. So, conscious, we've got one or two more slides left to go. Um, we, we sort of covered the, the quick wins and priorities a little bit uh, there. Grant, is, is this is there more you would like to cover on this slide? Uh, we, we've talked about cultural change and I mentioned leadership earlier. So, uh, we're all over the difficulties of, of doing that. Um, we talked about quick wins, engaging with CPNF, uh, and we talked about, um, you know, trying to develop some models with Cabinet Office and engaging Tech UK, uh, which we will definitely do later in the year. 
is there anything else uh just throw it open um that anyone thinks should be done as a priority um to to kick start this process grant it's phil again um we host the cpnf working groups between modern industry so i just i'm a bit confused because I, I haven't seen that this element if you like on the agenda for the cpnf meetings that we have between modern industry so it, it might be another forum where you could sort of tease that out and make it clear to on both sides of the fence at that level because that tends to be the commercial offices at cpnf rather than there we say the more techie people we've had around the call today so to get them to understand what the options are as well to put it on the agenda and maybe at the next cpnf working group meeting to have a presentation uh, on some of the slides you put forward today no, that's that's very useful thank you because i've been speaking to the same people in bristol uh, des commercial the cpnf team and um you know raising this requirement with them uh and they've said yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and they've had a whole load of issues introducing basware and it's it's three months six months late or whatever it is so what we'd intended to do in terms of uh change change management on on the cpnf uh, has been significantly delayed by the software problems they've been having. Um, but it, I, I've said to the, the folks there, I'd like to come across and brief their their policy team and, and I'd like to get involved. So now you mentioned that, I will re-engage with them and say, well, come on, I, I should be invited and, and we should be we should be doing a presentation at, the, at that, uh, that industry group. Well, if your own mod colleagues won't invite you, Grant, and I won't, delve too deeply in why they're not doing that but i'll invite you okay <laughs> yeah okay thanks and yeah, we did we did discuss that didn't we at the last uh, the last working group that we would get that uh, tabled on the agenda i think to be honest you know uh, to be fair to them they they've been head down they've had all sorts of problems and you know it's not a priority to put a couple of tick boxes in cpnf but it's a high priority for me so i keep pushing them um and you know they, they seem very willing they get it uh they're just they're just very heavily stretched at the moment very good way forward grant okay well thank you very much that that's been a very useful discussion and i hope that gave you a flavor of what we're thinking and and where we want to go in the future um what we'll do after this is uh, issue a, a short survey again uh, won't take you more than a couple of minutes uh, just for your initial feedback and comment and then over the next week or so uh, we'll produce a summary of this discussion and we'll send it to you all um, which is an opportunity to provide uh, a bit more considered feedback and input maybe from across your organizations uh, you could perhaps circulate for any ideas or any any as we just just discussed any more input that you think would be good um, we will then produce at the end of that around the end of april we'll synthesize all that together into a final report uh, put it up to mod cio um, and then take forward and that'll be part of our engagement and influencing of leadership because i don't think you know he's engaged in this discussion uh, or aware of it at the moment so we need to get charlie on board 
um, and then we'll take forward the recommendations into our sustainable ICT plan and I will speak to um, DEFRA and we'll rerun the workshop with Tech UK and we'll get it put into their sustainable technology strategy uh, which we're expecting to come out um, in, a, in well certainly by November I would think that would that would be out and into their delivery plan and they're thinking of um, the way that Adam Turner's thinking at the moment is is to try and come up with some KPIs we talked about KPIs earlier um, of at the moment we do you know greening government reporting across government and we do sustainable ICT reporting um, he's looking for what capability what KPIs could be put in to support reuse and remanufacture and it might be you know departments are to um, are to uh, report the percentage of their devices that are bought that, that have been recycled or reused um, and and that will be initially probably a big fat zero um, but but merely um, merely verbalizing that if we if we set it even even if we set a very low target it might change some behaviors across government and it, and it certainly might encourage some of the the lower users I, I, I say you take your point about prison service but it it might encourage some of the other users particularly those who are a bit cash strapped um to, to come to us and say what have we got available uh, and i know there is interest because i have been approached over the twenty-two thousand laptops and saying what what could we what could we offer up and the fact that we've offered you know thousands of laptops to support nhs um, at the moment um, shows is itself a great example of sharing across government so if we can do it for crisis why can't we do it normally so that's that's the uh, that's the, what we're going to do with this piece of work and so you should see it come out in uh, our sustainable ICT action plan and in DEFRA's sustainable technology strategy later in the year Thank you very much for your involvement, and thank you very much for your time this afternoon. I'm sorry, sorry we couldn't uh, do it. We, we couldn't go on to a cocktail party this evening at, <laughs> at, at Swindon, but uh, but there you go. Luca, do you want to say anything finally? No, just well, just one thing I should have said at the beginning. So obviously, as part of this, it, is, it comes under our Jigvee initiative. So Ollie, who's dialed in from um, Alan Webb, and Ben from Boeing. Um, have been really instrumental in, in in putting all of this together. So you know, a big uh, a big public thanks to those two um, for for putting in the, the the real hard work into getting this uh, these projects uh, up and running and uh, and um, doing the yeah the real hard work. So thank you to the both of those two. Apart from that, um, thank you very much, everybody. So as I say, we, we will be turning this into a into an audio podcast. So anybody that's voiced a question that doesn't want it uh, attributed to them, please do let me know, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll do some audio cutting to to get rid of it. Um, uh, and we will also share, as, as Grant says, the the questionnaire um, and and the broader update email as part of this uh, DI twenty V that we're running over the next couple of weeks as well. So um, you, you will get some more engagement from me um, probably today, if if not today then tomorrow. Um, and if anyone else has any more suggestions or, or proposals, please do come to me and let me know. Very good. Anyone else got anything else, or are we uh, all good to go? No, thank you very much, Luca. That's very useful. And thank you to, to everyone who participated. Thank you very much. Very good. Thank you. Safe travels, everybody.
Those guys. Or, or not self-travel, safe travel. Yes, sorry. <laughs> so travels <laughs> back, to your, uh, back to your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Cheers.